Hey, I'm Ed Stott and you're on That's Helpful, the podcast where we learn everything you need to know to build your best life one episode at a time. Today, the science behind intuition and how it can help us hone this superpower. Professor Joel Pearson is a neuroscientist who's been studying how the brain processes unconscious information for 25 years. He's on a mission to distill the science of intuition into simple, practical rules that are easy to follow and can improve decision making. He's going to share that with us today. I loved this conversation. You're going to get so many insights into what intuition actually is and how you can better tune into it. Plus, when you really shouldn't be listening to it, which is interesting to me because I am a big believer in intuition. Just before we get to that, though, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by You Foods. Here at That's Helpful, you know I'm all about those simple shifts that immediately make life easier, healthier, and more enjoyable. You Foods is one of them for me. They take the stress out of meal prepping and planning and take on the mental load of making sure your meals are fresh, healthy, and nutritionally balanced. If you're looking to make a healthy shift this year, when it comes to your nutrition, you foods could well be the answer you're looking for. They're always adding new meals and tweaking recipes to keep it even more delicious than ever. And best of all, there's no cooking, no dishes, no cleanup. Every week you choose from 60 meals, let gourmet chefs whip them up for you and have them delivered to your door fresh, never frozen. I started doing that this year and let me tell you, my lunches have gotten way more interesting. I'm not eating bread for 90% of my meals and I feel like I'm boosting my nutrition in a really simple and effective way that's really convenient and really delicious. Make sure you use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. I'll also put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. All right, on to the show. My guest today, as I mentioned, is Professor Joel Pearson, and his book is called The Intuition Toolkit. Joel, why is intuition your thing in particular? Uh, hi, Ed. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, lots of reasons. I mean, initially, I was just fascinated by how we, our brains, can sort of glue together unconscious and conscious streams of data, you know, as we live our lives. Mm. And intuition, you know, is one of the strongest cases of that, where we're going about our lives, making decisions. Do you want to go to this cafe or that cafe? And we're making conscious decisions, but also these emotions are bubbling up, you know, inside our brains, inside our bodies. We're having these feelings. And we sort of have to integrate them and use them. And, you know, purely scientifically, that is fascinating and amazing. But it's also something people need a lot of help with and people find challenging trying to balance this rational, conscious, logical thing and these feelings, right? So it's it was a twofold thing, just something we initially wanted to study and measure in the lab, you know, almost a decade ago. And over that decade, it's really evolved into now a mission to build a science around it, to educate people what it is and what it's not, how to think about it, um, and just to improve people's lives through better decision-making, right? Like I said, to to bring in the emotional, even the spiritual a little bit uh, into the logical thing and and bring the science, yeah. How is it, how hard is it to study something that's as intangible as intuition? 
<laughs> yeah, it's a little bit tricky. So, and that was like the big breakthrough, you know, like a decade ago. So before, at that stage, we didn't really have a way to measure it objectively and reliably in the lab. And that's one of the mm. things that I'm really passionate about. My lab's famous for doing this, for, for taking things like intuition, uh, mental imagery, hallucinations, things that are really hard to measure uh, and developing whole new ways to measure them in the lab objectively and reliably. Like I often say, we, we want a microscope for the mind. Yeah. Like we have a microscope for biology, right? We can look at cells under the microscope. When it comes to ma- the mind and thoughts, it's a little bit harder, right? There's nothing to really see, but there are still ways of building technology to measure it. And that's kind of what we did with intuition um, a little while ago now. So I can get into, I can, you know, we can nerd out and get into the nerdy details of how we actually do it if you want. Do you want to go there? I would, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite interested in terms yeah, yeah. of, because it's something that, you know, it's not like you can, there's not really those external expressions of intuition like we can measure with other things that are going on with our minds. Like, yeah, how do, how do you even start to measure intuition? Yeah, so the, we had, we sort of whittle it down to these basic ingredients, right, that you have a feeling, right, when you're deciding this cafe or that cafe and you go, oh, I feel in this cafe. Okay, let's just go there. And you just go. You don't, you know, logically have pros and cons lists. You have a feeling. So to have a feeling, emotion, it's pretty quick, right? It happens all like in a second or two. And it comes from the unconscious. So there were the basic ingredients we had. And so we needed a way to get emotional information into someone's unconscious and then see how they could use that to make decisions. And if they could, and how we could play around with that, measure it. And so we use something I call emotional inception. So, right, so people will probably remember Inception, the film, yep. right, with Leonardo DiCaprio, Chris Nolan film, who's up for an Oscar right now. Um, and in that film, they hack people's dreams, right? They, they go into a dream and they manipulate this guy to split up the company and there's lots of, you know, cool chases and stuff. In my lab here, we didn't actually choose to do that with sleep. We did it while people are fully awake and conscious. And we'd use this really cool visual and optical illusion where we can present a picture to one eye and in the other eye, we sh- sort of show these flashing bright colors. And because they're so strong, they sort of push the other image into the unconscious. You don't see it, right? And so all you see is these flashing colors. And so, but the eye is still getting that picture. It's still being processed. Your brain's still processing it. And if I show you, you know, an emotional picture, like a snake or a spider or a shark or something, we can see that the emotional parts of the brain, the limbic system, is still responding to that image. So that was the first real ingredient. We can get, we can incept, do this emotional inception, get the emotion in there, and people don't know we're doing it, right? Oh, that is mind-blowing. So it's a little bit crazy, right? A little bit wonky, a little bit scary. And so we do that, and at the exact same time, we have people make really, really simple decisions. And this is like so simple, it's almost funny, right? The little cloud of dots moving left or right, and that's all they have to do. They have to say, hit a button, say, oh, they're moving left, oh, they're moving right. And why they're doing that, we're feeding in these positive or negative emotions. So we're really tracking to see how good people are at blending or using the unconscious to make better decisions. So that's how we, it sounds a little bit weird and wacky to do this in the lab like that, but it was a way of recreating intuition in the lab with anyone, anytime, and it works. We can show that when you have these unconscious emotions there, people, not immediately, it takes a little while, they have to learn it, how to do it, um, but their accuracy in these decisions goes up, they respond more quickly, 
And if you ask them how confident they are in each single decision, people are more confident. So that's kind of, that was this initial experiment that set off, set me off on this course of studying intuition, being fascinated with it. And once you realize what it is, it's this sort of what I call the productive use of unconscious information for better decisions, also actions. So sport's a big deal here. We can come back to the sport thing. Mm. Once you understand what it is, these natural rules come out of understanding the brain. So these five rules, that's really what the book is about. These rules that help people when they should use intuition, when they shouldn't use intuition, which things you should use intuition for, which things you shouldn't. So my message is not, you know, intuition's fantastic, go and use it all the time. Absolutely not. <clears throat> it's more nuanced. It's more gray rather than black and white. There are times when we can use and trust it, but other times when we're emotional, stressed, or anxious, when we should stay away from intuition. And likewise, topics we'll jump into are these five rules we can use intuition for and other topics we should absolutely not use intuition for. So that's why, yeah, that's, that's where this book really came from, this urge to try and help people make better decisions by mapping out when to use intuition and when not to. It's so fascinating. Your work sounds absolutely <laughs> incredible. And I want to get into those five rules in just a second. But can you tell me why, when this is clearly something that's going on uh, in our brain and your research kind of focuses on looking at what's going on in our on in our brains when we're experiencing uh, making decisions using our intuition. Why then do we feel it as such a physical response? Why is yeah. it often like such a gut feeling for us? Yeah, great question. So, so what happens is, interestingly, there's two ways for us to get access to the unconscious, right? Because by definition, we're not aware of it. We don't know it's there. Mm. So one is feeling and the other is action. Like That's the sports thing we'll get to. So I can show you these images, your brain will respond, your heart rate will go up, you'll start sweating a little bit more. All these micro changes happen throughout your physiology and your whole body. So your body still responds to the unconscious stuff happening in your brain, even if you don't know it's there. So that's what, so your body is called interoception, which is a fancy word for just internal perception, like inside the body. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're feeling. That's why people talk about it as a gut response, sometimes a chest, sometimes palms or fingertips. Uh, so we're feeling this in our body. It's where it hits us. And because it's coming from the unconscious, we don't really know where it's coming from or why, but we feel it. And that's what training the intuition up is learning to tap into that feeling, right? And yeah. because it's a feeling, you know, if, you know, if, you, if you've had, if you're drunk or you've highly caffeinated, highly stressed, just fallen in love, just won the lottery. If your if your body's flush with other emotions and other your physiology's all white, you know, fireworks, then you're not going to be able to tap in and feel the intuition, right? You're going to feel something else, and that's going to be misleading, and it's not going to help you make better decisions. Mm. And what do you think it is um, that makes certain people, you know, really honed into their intuition and really trust their intuition and other people kind of disregard it as something that's more like woo woo and just, you know, not really um, <laughs> based in fact, you know, that you, some people are super intuitive and really believe in that intuition, but lots yeah. of people just disregard it. What do you think is the um, kind of determining factor in whether we are intuitive people or not? Yeah. So there's definitely, that's the case, right? When we ask people, some people say, oh, I feel every decision I feel all the time. I use my intuition every day. Other people are like, no, nope, absolutely not. 
I try and be rational, logical, pros and cons, da 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 da. And I think it's a couple of things. I think that interoception is a big part of it. So first up, there's how emotion, like your emotional response to things is probably mm. part of the equation, but also how sensitive you are to picking up your bodily response. So some people are really sensitive to this interoception thing. So if I say to you, Ed, right now, can you, can you feel your heart beating? Like without, without doing, you know, doing your pulse or anything like yeah, that, can I you can. feel your heart yeah. beat? Did yeah. you tap it out with a finger, do you think? Yeah, Definitely. So some people can do that really easily. Some people have, have no idea. They're just guessing. So that's an example of how different people are at feeling inside their body. And I think that's really part of it. So if you're insensitive, you can't feel how your body changes, how your physiology changes, you're just not going to be able to tap in to this gut feeling, to these feelings, yeah, right? Yeah. If you're hypersensitive, you're going to feel it immediately as you you know, walk into the cafe or you meet someone on that first date and you're getting a weird vibe. You're going to feel it in the body straight away. So I think that's a large piece of the puzzle. But that's something we're still studying and we haven't really mapped that out completely. This is so interesting. I love it when science meets like this cool psychology. And obviously, because you have an arts background, like I, I have an arts background. The first degree I started with is was uh, contemporary art history and then went into something way more practical. I, I think when you start in something that's more creative, you kind of have a a, an in, interesting way of thinking about things that other people think of as very logical and straight down the line. So mm. I love it when those two things meet. It's so cool. And yeah. so the guide that you've developed to use our intuition in the most effective way um, is represented by SMILE is the acronym. Yeah. I want to talk through this guide because I think it, whilst it tells us um, about how to use our intuition in a great way. It also teaches a lot about how intuition works. Um, so the S to start off with stands for self-awareness and you've kind of touched yeah. on that a little bit um, earlier, but can you talk us through that and why self-awareness is so important when it comes to our intuition? Yeah, so the, that's that first. So the idea of these five rules, we can remember, you know, smile before yeah. you intuit or smile before you use intuition. Um, is like a checklist. And at first it feels kind of weird and strange and people may be uncomfortable thinking, well, I got to check off this list before I can do something that feels natural <laughs> to me, yeah. but it's for your own good, right? It's for your own safety. And at first it will feel a bit weird, but you know, after a week or two of practicing that, it becomes pretty automatic. So yeah, the S in the smile is for self-awareness. And that really is to tap in and see, check your emotional state, be aware of that. If you are stressed or if you're anxious or if you're depressed, like I said before, if you're really happy, you've just fallen in love, you've just won the lottery or something, either way, in either direction, don't practice intuition, right? Just wait for that emotion to come back down. If it is, do something, do some box breathing, some other sort of calming techniques, just to bring yourself more back to your baseline. That's a better state to practice intuition in, right? So there's another ways to think about this. One is just flooding the system with all this emotional, this strong noise of something else, right? And you're going to confuse that with the feelings of intuition, or you're just not going to be able to even notice those feelings of intuition. So there's this thing called um, arousal misattribution. So humans are really bad at understanding where certain feelings and emotions and physiology comes from. Um, and in the book, I talk about this first date I went on one time. <laughs> and on our first date, we went rock climbing, one of those inter you know inside rock climbing gyms, right? Yeah. And we're climbing and the heart's pumping and sweating. You know, It's full of adrenaline and we're like, woo. And it was amazing chemistry and we're really feeling it. And it turns out we weren't that well suited for each other. Yeah. But we confuse the, the adrenaline, the excitement of the rock climbing, being up high with feelings for each other. 
And that's kind of, and that's the trick that, you know, like the, you know, Bachelor and Bachelorette, these kind of TV show producers will use to confuse us, confuse the contestants, because you don't know, right? You don't know where these feelings are coming from. Humans are just bad at it. So that's another reason to not practice intuition when you're in a sort of aroused or emotional state, positive or negative. Um, just wait till you're in a more stable or baseline state. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I have a friend who I only used to go to the gym with. And yeah. we used to be like, oh, we really get on really well. We go to the gym and everything. <laughs> and then we do stuff outside the gym. And I'd be like, do you know what? I'm not sure we actually get on. But wow, that must be perfect why. example. That's it. Arousal misattribution. Yeah, you're confusing. The, the, there's these feelings at the gym for how well you click with the other person. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I did suspect that when that was happening, which is so interesting. Uh, I want to get on to the next one next. And, but can you tell me, the more we use smile uh, and the more we use our intuition, is it like building a muscle? Will we get better at using our intuition? Can we, is it something we can hone? Yeah, we can. So the data we have from our lab shows that people get better at linking um, different emotions with different feelings, with using it actually in the decision-making. Mm. So like I said, in our experiments, you see the, the intuition go up over time. People get better and better at it. And at the end of the book, I talk about sort of keeping an intuition diary, uh, checklist, any, any, just tr keeping track of how, when you used it, if it was successful or not, and trying to keep track of that and seeing you want that to be on, sort of on a positive slope, getting better over time. And so I think if you, if you measure it, things you measure tend to get better. You don't know if you're getting better or not if you're not measuring it. Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's a good way to start. And I often will say, despite people's feelings, I want to often you start with intuition on big, you know, life, life and death, buy the house, <laughs> yeah. don't buy the house, get married, get divorced, these big, leave the country, these big decisions, because that's where the emotion comes up. But I think it's a better thing to start with smaller decisions, practice this, get in the habit of following smile, and then naturally work your way up to these bigger decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. And so the next in the acronym is mastery. Why does mastery matter when it comes to intuition? Yeah. So intuition is something we learn. So the, the example I like to give is you walk into the cafe, right? And as you walk in, your brain processes, you know, hundreds of different things, the temperature, the music, how cool mm -hmm. the staff look, um, whether it's tablecloths, how clean the floor is, and all the, the other customers, all these things. Your brain is, has learnt over whatever, a couple of thousand other visits to cafes that certain things predict good coffee, bad coffee, good food, bad food, right? And that's learning. That's your, you, the old, you know, the Pavlov's dogs, the classical conditioning, the things that you, you may have heard of in Psych 101 back at university or high, even high school, right? So your brain has to alert, learn that, that which things predict good or bad stuff. And it learns that unconsciously. And so that's learning. And that's why mastery is important. If you've never played chess before, you can't sit down and start being an intuitive chess player. <laughs> like, you know, if you've never played tennis before, you can't just be an intuitive tennis player. You've got to learn the basics. Your brain has to learn all the links between these different things in the environment, positive and negative. And then once you have some mastery, you can start using and relying on your intuition. But it's really important that people have enough and some experience and some mastery before they start using their intuition. I'm Ed Stott and you're listening to That's Helpful. Now, this episode is brought to you by You Foods. If you're looking to make a healthy shift this year when it comes to your nutrition and food, You Foods could well be the answer you're looking for. 
they take the mental load of meal prepping and deliver gourmet, nutritionally balanced meals, fresh, never frozen, right to your door. All you do is hop online and choose what you like the look of from over 60 meals that are constantly being tweaked and added to so that they're more delicious than ever before. Let me tell you, not having to choose what to eat every night and what to cook, not having to head to the supermarket and not having to wash up is truly changing my life. It's absolutely fantastic. I encourage you to check it out. Make sure to use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. Yeah, so interesting. We recently, um, there's like a bar we love to go to around here and we, it's like a great local bar and we recently walked in there and we're like, oh, this is weird. Something's off. Like it just feels strange. And then a couple of days later, my mum had been in there. She was like, oh, they've got a new manager and all the staff hate the new manager. And they've like made all these changes and they banned dogs, which is like so offensive to me. (laughs) And that to me was a really great example of what you're saying. Like you pick up on all those tiny little things right that you don't even know you're picking up on but you genuinely sense a vibe like I think if you don't believe in intuition like if you've ever been in somewhere with that's got like really bad atmos or like you know feels a bit uncomfortable then that's such a great example of this isn't it if you're somebody who doesn't really feel like you tapped into it so it could have been like like what I was just saying, fifty different things, a hundred yeah. like it, the body language, the muscle people, the staff maybe were all tense and slightly more stressed, and you're not consciously going, hmm, look at the way those shoulders are tight. Therefore, it's probably, but you just your brain's processing it. You associate that with you know something's not as relaxed as normal. Maybe yeah, it all happens in the background under the hood, and that's intuition, right? That's your it's brain so processing cool. doing all that for you. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. And so I is for impulses and addiction. How can we not how can we make sure that we're not mistaking impulsive desires for intuition? Yeah, so the so the yeah, the, the important thing there is not to confuse or use intuition as excuse for something that's addictive. <laughs> and that ranges yeah. from your alcohol, your drugs, your smoking to your social media, your gambling. So it's behavioral addiction as well and it includes food, which we will get to in a second because that's yes. a whole thing. I'm um, really interested to ask you about that. Yeah. So, so often the pool, you know, and I feel, you know, I want to check my email now. I feel this urge to go and do it. Right. And it's like, it's, it's an addictive urge and it's like, well, it's, it's intuition talking. I better check it. Right? And, and I can convince myself that it's something based on intuition, but it's not, it's a, it is still related to learning, but it's more based in addiction and dopamine and other things like that. And so we don't want to confuse intuition with addiction. Right, we don't want to use it as an excuse to have another cigarette or alcohol or whatever the drug or addiction mm-hmm. of choice might be. Um, so we need to be aware of those two things and keep anything that's addictive, has addictive nature, separate to intuition. And the other quick point I'll make as well that sort of instinct or impulses, people often talk about instinct and in- intuition uh, interchangeably. But there's an important difference, right? So instincts are something that we're hardwired with. We Mm. see that in the animal kingdom. We see that with humans, right? You can give a baby a lemon, they bite into it, their face screws up from day one. There's no, there's no nothing to learn it. It's just automatic. Likewise, you can blow some air in a baby's eye or any animal's eye and they'll blink, right? Those sort of instinctive reflexes are there for survival reasons from day one. But there are all kinds of other instincts we're born with, right? A fear of uncertainty is one. An attraction to comfort would be another one. 
And those two examples I talk about in the book because they're interesting. While once they were adaptive, right, once upon a time, fear of uncertainty was a great survival mechanism. Now, with the world being so uncertain, technology changing so quickly, the business world being so dynamic, you know, everything's different from year to year, from month to month to week to week, right? We have to live with uncertainty in ways we didn't have to, you know, just a couple of decades ago. So being terrified of uncertainty now is maladaptive. And likewise with comfort, this urge to be just this attraction to comfort, right? And in fact, it's flipped around. People are now doing, you know, going to intermittent fasting and ice baths and saunas and putting themselves into discomfort because there's too much comfort in our lives and it becomes unhealthy. So there are two examples where something that once was, in terms of evolution, adaptive and great for survival now is not so good. Mm. Whereas intuition is not like that. It's dynamic, it's learnt, it changes and adapts to our environment. So there's a, there is a difference there. So it's worth pointing out uh, that difference. Yeah, that's really yeah. helpful and very interesting and very illustrative of what intuition actually is. And um, and so uh, the food thing, I've heard you yeah, talk about this before. Let's get into yeah. controversy. Let's do it. Yeah, because um, that's re- so interesting. Have you done an episode on intuitive eating ever before? Or I love intuitive eating. I'm a really big fan. But what there you, you okay. say is so true and it's absolutely the way I think about it. And when you said it, you know, when you've been having, like you've been thinking about something in your head and you're like, oh, they just verbalized the thought that I had. This is what you did with intuitive eating for me. Right. Um, because yeah. intuitive eating, I absolutely love and I'm big, big advocate of intuitive eating because I think that so often, you know, people go on these crash diets or they kind of overcomplicate their relationship with food. They think that a healthy relationship with food is one that's like restricted or one that's, um, you know, like only eating fresh fresh fruit and vegetables. And if you go off that, then you've made a huge mistake. So I've done loads of episodes on intuitive eating, which I absolutely adore. And, but what you say about processed foods and how it throws off our intuitive eating, I think is so true. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So this general idea, let me quickly, I won't go into yeah, detail, please. but this idea that part of the intuitive eating is that you, you know, you pull out the, the, pull the pin and you just go to town and eat whatever, as much of whatever you want, right? Until uh, you overeat or whatever. And then you, you reach some baseline where it becomes more intuitive and naturally comes to a balance, right? And it's a not really nice idea. And it probably <laughs> can work with, with whole foods and very simple whole foods. But the problem is once you include any of the modern processed foods we have, where there's billion-dollar industry creating basically addictive foods, right? Even protein bars now, right? Some of these protein bars I I love, but you have one and you just want another one straight away, right? They're, they're, (laughs) They're engineered to be addictive and there's certain things and sugars and salts and things that are put in there. And we know that even if you can't taste them, your gut responds to them in very particular ways. So you can hide things in foods that make them more addictive. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of engineering and science going into this and it's moving a lot of these foods into that more addictive like drug and alcohol category, Absolutely. Right? And so the idea of trying to in- eat intuitively with any processed food is just dangerous and I just don't think anyone should do that. So that's my big warning there. Don't do that unless you really are on a farm or, you know, or only eating whole foods, then maybe it can work because you're not – getting this addictive thing, this this drive to just take it more and more and without feeling full, which processed foods will now do. Um, so that's really, the, that's in the book there, that message. So yeah. 
generally speaking, I don't think intuitive eating is a good idea. But the caveat is if you can really restrict it to whole food, natural things, then it maybe can work. But generally speaking, not a fan of intuitive eating. Interesting. So what I would say is if you're eating intuitively and you're eating processed foods and you recognize that this food is not satiating and when you eat some of it, you just want more and more and more. Like to me, the way I intuitively eat, because I've like like I used to be cereal dieter, weigh myself every morning, the works. Now I don't own a set of scales. I like don't even think about it. I have truly banished diet culture from my life, which is amazing through intuitive eating. But what I would say is that I have noticed now, like I'm so tuned into when I eat is that when I eat something that's like not satiating or it's like feels super addictive or it's like way too sweet, I notice that I would want more of that because Mm. it's not particularly satiating food because it's so highly engineered and then I just avoid those foods and I know that doesn't work for everyone but like in Wait, my so you, experience you avoid them totally you avoid yeah. them, right so it's, it's yeah. kind of off the table right yeah well not off the table because if I want if I want like it for example Tim Tams I find like the least satisfying <laughs> food that I've ever eaten in my life so I know that if I buy a box of Tim Tams I will eat the whole box because they're not very satisfying and it's not like what I would consider to be real food so you put it into your body your body goes poof that's gone get me more and then if you're actually thinking about how your body's processing that food and how it's making you feel you realize I actually don't really like the way that this makes me feel because that's the other thing about intuitive eating of course it's like it's not just about how the food tastes but it's about noticing the exact ways in which it makes you feel and I yeah. know that those foods like Tim Tams I'm never going to get sponsored by Tim Tams now <laughs> but I know now that Tim me Tams either, don't worry no no I know now that Tim Tams I just don't eat because I know they make me feel like crap and if I have one yeah. I'm gonna want 20 more and um, but that is really interesting and we, we did an episode with Michael Moss who wrote Salt Sugar Fat Mm. Um, and he was so cool because he talked about, you know, going into Kel- Kellogg's and all these um, hyper-processed food manufacturers and the fact that he got them to make all these foods without the salt, sugar and fat. And the fact that salt is actually used to disguise disgusting flavors. So if <laughs> a food is like hyper-salty, you actually can't taste what's going on uh, yeah. elsewhere in the food. And then he, the crazy thing that he told me um, that has kind of stuck with me is that coca-cola referred to people who drink a lot of coke as heavy users and the only <laughs> other it. instance yeah, in which that it's like is, a drug dealer yeah exactly is drugs so these i totally agree that um yeah that the hyper processed food but again that throws off our intuition right because you're in the state of like hyper arousal and that's the business of these companies is to get in the way of you and your true emotions or you and your true feelings to convince you that buying more needing more is the solution to feeling better so I think once you yeah yeah, once you start thinking about it I think it's so interesting but when you said that I was like damn yeah that's so true yeah so Ed I think like you said if you can short circuit the system after one pack of Tim Tams then it works right but if you go from one pack to do you know what I mean it's like saying well I can go and do for heroin right and I just and 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 I it makes me feel bad the next day, so I stop. But yeah. for most people, that may not be the case, right? They're like, well, totally I need agree. more because I felt so 
like when you bite into the Tim Tam, it does feel and taste pretty good, right? Yeah. And that's the catch, right? The people want to get that back again, so they go out and buy two more packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the danger, yeah. It's really interesting to me. I love that. I really like, um, I don't know, thinking about that in a new way. And I think um, so. it goes back to that thing, right, like there's so many of these companies – um, you know, whether it's tech companies or food companies, they are the way that they make their money is from disconnecting us from what we know, like getting in between us and how we genuinely feel so that if we don't know what we feel, we think the solution might be their product. So I think it's really yeah. interesting and particularly like with intuition and what you teach is kind of a antidote to that, which I really love. I love anything that like taps into you and says, you don't need anything else. So, yeah, it's, I, I just think the intuitive eating thing is so interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, that if you want to make money, right, make your product addictive. And and we know there's a lot of science about that, you know, whether it's uh, the behavioral intermittent rewards is a big one yeah. with any kind of social media app, right? There's, there's teams that are paid lots of money to make to, to sky, disguise it and make it highly addictive. Mm-hmm. And they don't like to talk about that, but they all they all do that, right? Because yeah. their revenue goes up, their share price goes up, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's combining that with how to hold people on platforms. So whether it's food or a behavioral app thing, you know, people they want it to be addictive. And yeah, it's it's interesting you so one of the aspects or ways to think about intuition is that, you know, we're, we're, we're launching rapidly into this AI driven world, right? We're, we're just going to be bombarded with tech and tech and tech and AI, AI assistance. Everything's going to be driven by AI and it feels less and less human. So one of the responses I keep hearing from people is, well, what do you do in that situation? You, your response to that, the only healthy response might be to be more human. What does that mean? To try and you know, embrace intuition, more human processes around decision-making and just being and feeling your emotions and using them in practical ways where it's not being hijacked by technology. So it's, like you said, that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Super interesting. Um, And so the next, after my intuitive oh, eating yeah, where run. Were we? <laughs> I'm going to steer you back after my intuitive eating run. Oh my God. If you get me onto, onto intuitive eating, I'll never stop talking. Um, is L is L is for low probability. Where does this come in? Yeah. So it's, it's for low probability and that works with the acronym, but it's really all probability or probabilistic thinking. So humans are really bad at understanding numbers, but particularly probabilities. And the example I mean, a great example was last week in, in Sydney or in the east coast of Australia, everyone got scared of sharks, right? There was a shark attack <laughs> oh, yeah. in Sydney Harbour. <laughs> yeah. are, you in, are you in Sydney? Ed, or are you, I'm, in are you? I'm in Brisbane. I'm in Brisbane. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. you probably heard it. It was pretty hard. If you're in Australia, it was pretty hard to miss all the news on this. I surf, um, so anything to do with sharks, I'm like, good. Oh. <laughs> and so here's an example where the pro- it's extremely rare to have an encounter with a shark for mm-hmm. them to bite you, right? One stat I've heard is you're more likely to be injured with by a kangaroo than a yep. shark. It's Falling safer. coconut. Or coconut. You know, it's more dangerous driving, right? So, But all of that doesn't matter when you're in the water and you sort of look down and you start imagining, right? Most of us have pretty good mental imagery. We can imagine the shark. If you're old enough to remember the Jaws films, you hear the music come into your mind and the emotional parts of your brain get really active and you start freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, so you ignore the probabilities. That's emotionally driven thinking. Um, 
and so we have to sort of be aware of that and 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 not fall for the emotional thinking it's not intuition don't try and follow intuition when it comes to anything around probabilities because we can't feel numbers we'll feel the emotion like with the sharks um so we get it wrong so anything around the numbers the probability of getting of climate change or of smoking and lung cancer anything like that we don't experience it and our brain can't learn those associations and so we just get it wrong there's there's mm. lots of examples of this in psychology so yeah the basic take home rule is anything around probabilities numbers particularly low probability events just don't use your feels don't feel your way through it don't use intuition look at the numbers try and stick to the probabilities as much as possible. Mm, that's really interesting, especially when it comes to sharks. Very reassuring because <laughs> I think I've made the decision to be here. Just don't think about it when I'm in the ocean. It's extremely rare. Like yeah, there's right? a classic Jerry Seinfeld thing. What is it? It was a bit that Jerry does where he said, you know, people, are, people report being more scared of public speaking than dying. So they'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like when you think of the logic behind that, you're like, wait, what? But really? it's kind of true. People do. People are terrified of public speaking, but it can't really hurt you. It can't kill you, right? They're not. They're not. They're they're less. They're more scared of that than they are of cardiac events, right? Which is pretty much the number one killer in most Western countries. Just wild, yeah. A very good illustration. An ease environment. So why should we only use intuition in familiar yeah. and predictable contexts? So here's the thing, that M, the mastery, that learning behind intuition is context specific. It's environment mm. specific, which means an example I had to give of this of back, you know, when you were studying for an exam at school or university um, and you're at home in your bedroom cramming the night before, right? You're actually your brain is learning the stuff you're cramming, but it's also learning your bedroom. And so you can recall it in the bedroom really well. When you go into the exam room the next day, your recall is not as good. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways to hack this, putting fragrances on when you're studying, when you're in the exam, chewing gum when you're studying, chewing gum again when you're in the exam. So you want to recreate the same environment and you, you get better access to that. The other great example is you come home drunk, you throw your keys down somewhere. The next morning you can't find your keys in the, you know, you have another drink, bang, the memory comes back. <laughs> so it's not only the physical, the room, whether it's in the office or at home, it's also the internal state. If you're highly caffeinated, stressed or drunk, the internal things that you learn will encode the stress level, the caffeine level, the alcohol level, whatever it might be as well. So how you are when you learn things really matters. And so if you're in a different physical state, internal state, you won't have access to that learning as much. And this was a, this is a big deal like during COVID, right? Because a lot of people had honed intuition in the workplace. They all of a sudden went home and some of that is not going to apply at home. An example I gave in the book is Steve Jobs, who talked in a lot of interviews, talked about intuition. He loved it. He spent time in India. He really used that in, in, in his product design at Apple, in the direction of the company. And he was a master at, at feeling his way through simp the very simplified and beautiful product design. Then when it came to his home life uh, and his health, particularly later in life, he made some really poor decisions. He avoided getting uh, treatment for his cancer. And that's a lot of people say that's why he ended up dying because he put it off and put it off against 
um, his family's wishes and, and advice and his doctor's advice. And that's a case where f- his feelings and his intuition that it works so well at work in that context didn't transfer to a different zone, different part of his life at home and his health. So we just need to be careful, right? Um, when we move that intuition that's going to be so well trained in one area and we move it to another part of our lives, it may not work. And we need to be aware of that and retrain it up in that different area or different location. So yeah, that's really that's that, really that EFA environment. Yeah, yeah, right. And so are there any other situations, you know, we've talked about the fact that we shouldn't use it in um, unpredictable contexts and we shouldn't use yeah. it when we're like in a highly aroused state, but are there any other circumstances in which we really shouldn't be using intuition? I mean, the highly emotional one is the the number yeah. one, right? Just stay away from it in those situations. Um, yeah, random environments, like you said, unpredictable environments. Um when you're gambling, yeah, you can't feel. <laughs> yeah. I've got the, the roulette wheel spinning and the little balls bouncing. Right, the, your intuition there is not going to work. It's like a random no. thing. So there's nothing to predict. There's not, your brain will still try and learn, and we'll still try and. We can't help but see patterns. We love seeing patterns. Our brains just love patterns, and so we'll try and predict, and we'll have the illusion that we have intuition for something like gambling, but we don't. In fact, I made up a, a word for this, and I, I call this kind of thing misintuition which is like a misfiring of intuition. That's when we feel we have intuition, like Steve Jobs did around his health, but we're getting it totally wrong. Yeah. And I just thought we needed a word to distinguish. Rather than saying intuition's wrong uh, and it's right, it's like this is not intuition. Don't call it that. Call it something else because you, you're sort of breaking these rules. And once you understand how the way the brain works, you realize it can't work in these situations. Um, so the five rules, they're really the, the, the big ones. Now, there are a whole lot of um, what we call nudges and cognitive biases. Um, you know, they're the things that, you know, that engineers uh, are paid to build websites to nudge you in this direction and make you, um, you know, upgrade your insurance or do this with the bank or whatever it might be, right? This, 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 they call it nudges and cognitive biases. So those things can be misleading and they can muck with your intuition as well. Um, I mentioned those a little bit br- briefly in the book, but I just didn't have the space or time to go into them. And there's so many, there's hundreds of cognitive and perceptual and memory biases, but they're just sort of the nature of the way the brain works. So mm. some of those are be, are be worth looking out for. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the main ones really are summed up in those five rules. Yeah, it's a super helpful guide and really simple. And um, and so obviously you've been studying um, this for over a decade now, and you're really you know into intuition. How do you use it in your own life? Do you find like it's a very useful tool for you? Yeah, I do. So I use it. I use it for science, and people often find that funny, right? I use it if I'm reading a scientific paper. Yeah, I'll often get a funny feeling early on. I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know something like, and I won't know where that feeling comes from and I won't try and get to the bottom of it because that's kind of a waste of time but this can be something I'm picking up on and I'll, I'll take note of it keep reading and see you know what is if there is in fact something odd in the paper maybe it's there's a confound or something else likewise when we're trying to choose which experiments to do in the lab I'll use my intuition about which to you know there's, there's an infinite number of experiments we could do on different topics so it's choosing where to put your time and money is an important thing in science I'll use my intuition there mm. I you know I'm a parent I have young kids but when they were babies that was another thing that, that you know 
parents, mother's intuition, parents' intuition is a real thing. Um, and very quickly, right, you get this mastery, you know, in the first week or two, you start to, you know, the subtle differences in a crying baby, you, you know straight away whether it's like a serious thing and not a serious thing. And the first time you go to a doctor and they say, well, you're the best judge, are they themselves? And you're like, what are they, are they themselves? <laughs> what a weird medical yeah. thing. And then you go, well, actually, they're not. I can just tell they're not. They're moving differently. They're moving more slowly. They're fa- there's, there's some subtle things. Their eyes are maybe a bit droopy, all these subtle cues. And that's, that's intuition as well, right? And that's something that I think mm. most parents will feel and notice. And they learn that very quickly. And they don't really know how they're making those judgments, but, but you do fairly quickly. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? I am actually, um, what am I this week? 27 weeks pregnant. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, that's been one of the most remarkable things about being pregnant is I feel like it has honed me into my like bodily intuition way more than anything I've ever known. Like I've always been somebody who lives quite in their body and like is quite in tune with how they're feeling. But now, you know, I, I used to be able to like think myself into things like, oh, do I feel sick? I think I might feel sick. Yeah, I do feel <laughs> sick. Do I? Mm. You know, when you can like convince yourself that you don't feel well. Now, whenever I feel things, anything, I'm like, no, I feel great. No, I'm okay. No, that's not serious. It's really weird, isn't it? Like how certain things can completely hone you into that intuition. And for me, like pregnancy and my body has been one of those things. And maybe it's because, like you said, those signals just get louder, right? Yeah. Yeah. And all the hormones and all the, yeah, your body changes. And I mean, during pregnancy, you almost become like Wolverine, right? Your your bones are flexible. Your skin can heal really quickly. Like you become almost superhuman. Like that's, that's kind of like, when else can you, you know, your bones become that flexible? It's, 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 and you can, you know, you, you, amazing things happen during pregnancy. It it is. It is the absolute weirdest thing. So out of all of this, um, in terms of intuition, which I, I absolutely love this, I think it's such a powerful tool when we use it in the right way. What's the one thing you want people to take away from our conversation about intuition? That I'm not saying go and use it all the time. It's neither good or bad. And that's not the discussion to have. It's both. Mm. It's good yeah. sometimes and it's bad sometimes. So the important thing is to know when and for what to use it. And once you know that, it can be amazingly helpful. And if you, you know, if you know someone, any of your listeners know someone who is facing a big decision, having trouble making decisions, then then maybe the, the message and some of the information in the book can really help them. So on a sort of zooming out, right? This this general idea of meshing our feelings and our emotions with better decisions, bring that together to make better decisions and improve our life by bringing the logic and the feels together, right? And some people might call that spiritual. Other people like me as a scientist might just call that improving people's lives with better decision-making through science. Um, but yeah, it's not black and white. It is a real thing. Intuition's real. We can measure it. We know what it is in the lab. We can understand it. Um, and if you have follow these five simple rules, you can improve your decisions. Professor Joel Pearson is a neuroscientist who's been studying how the brain processes unconscious information for 25 years. His book is called The Intuition Toolkit. I'll pop a link in the show notes so you can check that 
out and that you can follow Joel's work because it's really interesting. He's done some really cool other work in terms of how we um, imagine things in our minds, which is really interesting. So head to the show notes and check that out. This episode was brought to you by my friends over at You Foods. If you want to check them out and let them take over the meal prepping and the meal planning, which is genuinely one of the most tedious chores that I have to do this week. I know, easy life, right? But anyway, I've let them take that on and it's bloody great. I really recommend it. So make sure you use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L for up to $200 off your first five boxes. As always, I'm so grateful to you joining me. And don't forget, you can now check us out as a video podcast on YouTube. And your girl over here has finally figured out how to get her video podcast on on Spotify. So check me out. Felt like an absolute hacker tech whiz doing that. So don't let it go to waste. If you are keen to have a watch as well as a listen, find us over on Spotify or on uh, YouTube or I just love you listening to me it means that I can join you when you're doing your chores or you're out for a walk I just absolutely love thinking of all the places that you're joining me for these delightful conversations as I always mention if you have just joined us please make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode I've got heaps more coming up for you this year and some great interviews in the pipeline if you're enjoying the series please leave me a review wherever you are listening i don't know whether it helps other people find us or not is the truth but do you know what i genuinely love it it's just me out here making these episodes for you every week and to get that little bit of feedback those little stars or that nice comment on apple podcast it genuinely gives me the biggest boost so i really appreciate you taking the time to leave me a review you are lovely 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 people If there is an episode that you are keen to hear or there's something you're struggling with right now, I put a shout out on Instagram a few weeks ago and I'm working on some of those for you. But if there's anything else you want, send me a message on Instagram at That's Helpful Pod and I will look up the world's leading expert for you and I will drag them onto this podcast and get you the answers that you so well deserve. (laughs) I'm Ed Starr and I will catch you again next week. In the meantime, I sincerely hope that's helpful.